Hello and welcome to episode 715 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this afternoon. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Thursday, November 16th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with taking a look at the glories of Mary by the great saint and doctor of the church, Alphonsus Liguri, and this is his Thursday prayer to the most blessed Virgin Mary to obtain heaven. O Queen of Paradise, who reignest above all the choirs of angels, and who art the nearest of all creatures to God, I, a miserable sinner, salute thee from this valley of tears, and beseech thee to turn thy compassionate eyes towards me, for whichever side they turn, they dispense graces. See, O Mary, in how many dangers I now am, and shall be as long as I live in this world, of losing my soul, of losing heaven and God, In thee, O lady, I have placed all my hopes. I love thee, and sigh to go soon to see thee, and praise thee in heaven. Ah, Mary, when will be that happy day on which I shall see myself safe at thy feet, and contemplate my mother, who has done so much for my salvation? When shall I kiss that hand which has delivered me so many times from hell, and has dispensed me so many graces, when, on account of my sins, I deserve to be hated and abandoned by all? My lady, in life, I have been very ungrateful to thee. But if I get to heaven, I shall no longer be ungrateful. There I shall love thee as much as I can in every moment for all eternity, and shall make amends for my ingratitude by blessing and thanking thee forever. I thank God with my whole heart, who gives me firm confidence in the blood of Jesus Christ and in thee, and the conviction that thou wilt save me, that thou wilt deliver me from my sins, that thou wilt give me light and strength to execute the divine will, and in fine, that thou wilt lead me to the gate of paradise. Thy servants have hoped for all this, and not one of them was deceived. No, neither shall I be deceived. O Mary, my full confidence is that thou hast to save me. Beseech thy son Jesus, as I also beseech him, by the merits of his passion, to preserve and always increase this confidence in me, and I shall be saved. Today, friends, we are going to take a look at an article which was just published today as I'm recording this. At the Fatima Center's website, located at Fatima.org. I invite you to go check that out. They have a lot of good stuff there. This is by Mr. Matthew Pleasy, and we've featured Mr. Pleasy's work many times on the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. And this is entitled, Does Christ Die at Each Mass? And this is a crucial point to consider, and one that many Protestants and sadly, Some Catholics as well get confused. We have to have clarity on this. Begins with an editor's note. Readers are also encouraged to view an episode of Ask Father with Father Albert Callio, and a hyperlink is given, which address this same question. Also, Crucifixion to Creation, a book by Father James Maudsley, is an excellent resource for understanding the New and Old Testament roots of the Mass. And if I can add here, that's part of the new old series that Father Maudsley is working on. And I'm currently reading the um, first volume of that and very much enjoying it and looking forward to reading all of his other works as well. The first subsection here that Mr. Pleasy begins with is entitled, What is the Mass? And we have a quote from St. John Vianney. If we really understood the Mass, we would die of joy. Mr. Pleasy says, The Mass is the form of worship given to us by Christ at the Last Supper. First and foremost, Holy Mass is a sacrifice, 
Holy Mass is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It is a sacrifice that can always be efficacious for us as it does not depend on the merits or personal holiness of the priest. In the Mass, the Lord is both priest and victim. He is present on the altar of sacrifice, and even the priest acts in persona Christi in offering up to the Eternal Father the unblemished sacrifice during the canon of the Mass. We can further receive grace by partaking of the Holy Eucharist if we are Catholics in the state of grace, though our doing so is not the purpose of the Mass or the reason why we must go to Mass on Holy Days. Priests of the Old Testament frequently offered animal sacrifice to God in atonement for their sins, as was prescribed by the law of Moses. However, as children of the New Testament, Catholic priests offer to God in the Mass the only true sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lamb of God because he was the sacrifice that paid the price for all our sins. Four Necessary Components of the Mass As the Council of Trent has affirmed, the Mass is the true and proper sacrifice. As with any sacrifice, there are four necessary components. A sacrificial gift, or res oblata, a sacrificing minister, minister legitimus, a sacrificial action, actio sacrifici, excuse me, actio sacrificica, and a sacrificial end or object, finis sacrifici. First, the res oblata, or sacrificial gift, must be physical and real. In the Old Testament, it consisted of animals offered up to God. Today at Mass, the priest offers to the Father one sacrifice, his son. Second, only a qualified person can offer the sacrifice, and that is a priest. In the Old Testament, priests were to come only from the tribe of Levi, in particular from the house of Aaron. Similarly, priests of the Holy Catholic Church must be males who validly receive the sacrament of orders. The priest not only offers the sacrifice of Jesus truly present, but the priest acts in the person of Christ, in persona Christi. So it is actually Christ who offers the sacrifice through the human nature, body, mind, and will of the priest. Thus, when the priest pronounces the words of consecration, it is not merely the priest speaking, but more importantly, it is Jesus speaking through the priest. Third, the sacrificial action of the Old Testament was the spilling of the blood of animals. In the New Testament, it is Jesus' voluntary surrender of his blood and the offering of his life. Finally, the object of sacrifice is to be offered solely to God for his honor and glory. Such an offering is lifted into the realms of the divine. The New Testament fulfills the old in the Mass. Just as Melchizedek brought forth bread and wine, bringing forth bread and wine, for he was the priest of the Most High, Jesus instituted the Eucharist as a sacrifice at the Last Supper. Thus, we again see the importance of the continuity of the Old and New Testaments. Jesus did not come to destroy the Old Covenant, but instead to fulfill it, see Matthew 5, verse 17, and establish a new and greater one with his body as the true and lasting sacrifice. The tearing of the temple veil is the final sign of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The veil in the Old Testament was of thick linen, 
and it separated the Holy of Holies, an inner shrine, the most holy place, housing the Ark of the Covenant from the rest of the temple. In particular, it was so holy that a priest could only enter the Holy of Holies one day a year on Yom Kippur. He would even have a rope tied around his ankle because the high priest could die for violating the ritual laws laid down by God. In such an eventuality, he was to be pulled from the inner sanctuary using the rope because if anyone else were to enter the Holy of Holies, he too would die. The tearing of the veil. See Matthew 27 verse 51 laid open the Holy of Holies. This 70-foot-high curtain tore from the top down, showing it was an act of God above. No longer was this physical place to be set apart. This signified the end of the Old Covenant, for it was replaced by the new, perfect, and eternal covenant established in the blood of the Son of God. All of the Old Testament had served to prefigure the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. Now mankind could approach God's presence and offer to God their sufferings and prayers if they were united spiritually with the cross. The Protestant notion that the tearing of the veil or destruction of the temple in 70 AD signified the end of all sacrifices is false. The Old Testament had ended. As the early church shows, the sacrifice of the mass was celebrated by the apostles themselves as the new sacrifice. And there's a footnote here in which Mr. Pleasy says, those interested in this subject are encouraged to study especially chapters 65 through 67 of St. Justin Martyr's First Apologia, a defense of the Christian faith which he sent to the Roman Emperor, circa 150 AD. To continue in the main body of the text, it says, the time has come when the words of Malachi 1 verse 11 have been fulfilled. For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down, my name is great among the Gentiles, and in every place there is sacrifice. And there is offered to my name a clean oblation, for my name is great among the Gentiles, saith the Lord of hosts. Does Christ therefore die again at each Mass? This next logical question is well answered by Cardinal Cajetan. The single victim offered once on the cross continues to be present in the manner of an offering in the Eucharist instituted by Christ and daily repeated. Cardinal Cajetan on the Sacrifice of the Mass, 1531. The Mass is the representation of the one and same sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. This sacrifice, which took place at one particular point in time in human history, is the same sacrifice of the Mass. As such, Christ does not die again at each Mass. Christ reigns in heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father and from where he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yet his same eternal sacrifice is made present in our time and space each time a priest offers Holy Mass. The Council of Trent, in response to the errors of Protestants who abandoned the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and who abandoned the priesthood, states, The victim is one and the same. The same now offers through the ministry of priests, who then offered himself on the cross. Only the manner of offering is different. The Council continues, In this divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, 
the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and is offered in an unbloody manner. This is therefore in perfect conformity with Hebrews 9, verses 25 through 28, which refers to the one sacrifice of Christ. Know yet that Christ should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holies every year with the blood of others. For then he ought to have suffered often from the beginning of the world. But now, once at the end of ages, he hath appeared for the destruction of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment, in other words, if I can jump in here, there is no such thing as reincarnation, so also Christ was offered once to exhaust the sins of many. The second time he shall appear without sin to them that expect him unto salvation. Christ's death on the cross is not physically repeated at each Mass, but his one sacrifice is made present again in a mystical and sacramental way at Mass. Christ won all graces by his sacrifice on Calvary, all graces from the beginning of the world to the end of the world. Our Lord then distributes graces, which he already won, to men as they sacramentally participate in his one sacrifice at Holy Mass in accordance with their faith and charity. And Mr. Pleasy concludes with a prayer to obtain the grace of all the world's masses. Eternal Father, we humbly offer thee our poor presence and that of the whole of humanity from the beginning to the end of the world at all the masses that ever have or ever will be prayed. We offer thee all the pains, suffering, prayers, sacrifices, joys, and relaxations of our lives in union with those of our dear Lord Jesus here on earth. May the most precious blood of Christ, all his blood and wounds and agony save us through the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary. Amen. Thank you to the Fatima Center and Mr. Pleasy for that excellent article. Let us conclude by once again mentioning Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org. Please also tune in to episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast for more information about RPM. That's an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was eight years old, we did not even know her favorite color. Now we know that she's a comprehensive genius, thanks to her hard work and that of her family and the Lord's grace acting through RPM. This has been a breakthrough for non-speakers like sign language was for the deaf in terms of being able to communicate or in terms of being able to read like Braille was for the blind. My niece Brielle can compose music. She's a poet, very gifted in regards to math. She even knows foreign languages. Those things would have been outside of our ability to comprehend without her ability to communicate, which is a human right. So what RPM is doing is taking non-speakers or those with difficulty in speaking out of the world of silence, out of this prison of silence, really, that they're in and into the world of open communication. Imagine, friends, how frustrated and sad you would be if you couldn't even tell your family what you wanted for breakfast or what your favorite color was or just anything. Have a normal, regular 
conversation. This is a whatever term you want to use, game changer, lifesaver, fill in the blank for non-speakers and their families, but you can't use a tool unless you know about it. So please get that website out there on those episodes of Our Lady's Podcast and may the Lord richly bless you for it. Thank you so much for listening as well. And please tune in again tomorrow. Goodbye and God love you.